0: Hello, and welcome to the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club podcast, the place where curiosity is welcomed and no topic is too taboo to tread. I'm your host, Jonathan Doe, and I'm sitting here over the phone with filmmaker, effects artist, musician, and founder of Very Fine Crap Videos, James Bell. How are you doing today, man?
1: Hey, how are you?
0: I'm doing good. Thanks for taking the time to talk with me today. Appreciate it.
1: Oh, oh, definitely. No problem.
0: So I think my first question is, what is it that got you interested in filmmaking?
1: Um, I've always liked horror movies and movies, but more more towards horror. Like, I never really cared for really any other genres, even when I was, like, young. But, like, uh, I don't know. Uh, things, like, started getting, like, more into like HG, like Herschel Byrne Lewis and like John Waters and stuff like that. It was like 16, 17. That's like when I started being a huge crew or anything to make films. You just need a few people that will do it. You can make stuff. But then it took me forever to be able to actually do anything. <laughs>
0: And then ultimately you would create Very Fine Crap Video and I was wondering what's the history behind uh Very Fine Crap Video and and what was your inspiration in making it?
1: Um I started Very Fine Crap Videos back in twenty ten as a face of uh I started thinking about this before, and uh, so it was more, it more just started as just something that dog dick was, fish, was like part of, more or less, mm-hmm. and it, I had several different internet names before, but all those accounts kept getting deleted like after a thing or two. And, like, Very Fine Crap Videos is, like, the very first one that, like, stuck. And I didn't really exactly get serious about it, actually, recently. But, like, I I got more serious with... I wasn't just posting shit that was going to get the accounts all shut down. So.
0: What you were pers- uh, posting on Facebook were those originally just different scenes that ultimately ended up being dog dick or were they different, th- different projects?
1: Uh, it was, uh, i YouTube. A lot of it was, uh, a lot of it did become dog dick, but then there was like other projects I was doing too. That never got completed. Like I was doing this animation thing that I never finished. And then there was like other projects I was doing, and some of them just like ended up being on the dog dick disc, mm-hmm. like, like these like animations and claymations and just like weird visual things I was making. Like wasn't, wasn't so much like that it was more just like weird visual things, I guess, as a way of explaining it better
2: yeah
0: so um in addition to you forming very fine crap video um one thing that i also noticed is your wife may stars in the majority of your work and i was wondering how you two met each other and um when you did you guys start working on projects together
1: oh we've been married for like about 20 years now so we've known each other we just met each other, just, I don't know about I don't know. No dating site or anything like this before I went and shoot.
0: So she was kind yeah. of by your side when you first started making films?
1: Yeah, yeah. And at first, like, when I was, like, making Dog Dick, like, it wasn't a secret that I was filming, like, everything. And everyone's like, what are you doing that for? It's like, oh, I'm making a movie. Like, yeah, sure you are. <laughs> so like no nobody really like even took me serious with it and even like when I was making Manure especially like the way I went about making that film because I don't know like, I got really into like character acting with that one I don't know I thought that was a good way of trying to do it was just to become a Manure guy mm-hmm. so. When I was doing a lot of that, she just still, I was just like, what are you fucking doing? <laughs> but it wasn't until Tantrum when everything started to make sense to her, what, what was going on. and She got like
0: bullied. That's awesome. So I want to talk a little bit about Dog Dick, um, uh, with that being your first film. And I was wondering, what was kind of your inspiration for making that film? And what was it like? the shooting process and all like all of that because it's really different than the majority of your other work
1: yeah yeah a lot of that footage like i shot it over like a three-year period but some of it was like even older cause, like some of it was like when i was like harassing it's like the first time george bush was running for president i <laughs> had a super eight camera and i saw like some political nutbag bag out on the street so i just like ran up and like put my super eight in his face and so like that footage is like really all. and uh but yeah you said like what what inspired it like a a bunch of things kind of inspired it like like gummo did uh like the realism of like american movie uh bomb fights inspired it but like it kind of has, like, more going on to it than just, like, bump Because, okay. like, there is kind of, like, a lot of cryptic messaging throughout the film. It's not really expressed very clearly in the, in the original version. I'm actually going to recut that movie and make it a little bit more palatable, I guess. <laughs> That's cool.
0: Um. Yeah, I, I always felt like Dog Dick was kind of like a combination of like Gummo and real life, and then like bum fights or like ruckus films. And like, I don't know if you've seen Uncle Goddamn, but it kind of has oh, like yeah. a Uncle Goddamn vibe to it too. So it's like,
1: yeah, I've seen that before. It was called Uncle Goddamn. It was just like on like a compilation videotape <laughs> that you could like get at video stores. Is like called like the world's most something the whole videos or something like that i don't remember what exactly was yeah that was like when i first saw it. god damn and actually i see you posting about it because i i think like trying to remember like what the hell that was even called and then you posted <laughs> that like, oh they renamed it yeah so. i
0: think it's had a lot of different names like it's called the like redneck torture tape or something like that and yeah it's just got a bunch of different different names
1: yeah, I've seen that like a lot. <laughs>
0: um, so when you finally did release Dog Dick, what was kind of like the general reception from people who who bought it and watched it?
1: Um, I it was kind of good. Like, I didn't expect to like sell any copies. Like, I thought maybe like two or three people I might be able to trick into buying it, but it sold really well, and there was some backlash at first, but it was more, it was more just like this one dude who like, wanted to do a distro deal with me, and then like I thought I'd do some shit, so I was like, fuck off. And then like he started with a big ass, that's kind of like well, trouble started, so. Yeah. But at first that was all. Yeah, yeah, fuck off, fat ass.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I heard, I heard about that a little bit, and and that basically yeah. just just a started a bunch of, of drama.
1: Teen of bitches. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um. So after you finished Dog Dick, uh, you began working on kind of like a similar film. At least from what I remember talking with you of a film called Cow Cunt but you would never oh, complete it, and I was wondering what you could tell us about that unfinished project.
1: Uh, I never did much with it. Like, I had some extra footage, and I had, like, a fried hard drive that I know has stuff on it that I wasn't able to use, mm-hmm. but is just bringing that hard drive back to life. Yeah. But, like, once I started making video, like, I just... Was- Pretty much, yeah, i started making waking Manure. I worked out some other things. I, I I just moved on. Like, this wasn't what I wanted to do anymore.
0: And so you ultimately would, the second film that you would release th- through uh, Very Fine Crap videos would be Manure, and... Uh, that's a really interesting kind of plot of a of a guy who drinks fertilizer and then whose explosive diarrhea causes flowers to pretty much instantly grow. And I was wondering what your inspiration behind making that film was.
1: Oh, me and a group of friends wrote, like, an original version. Well, there was, like, an original version that, like, we wrote together. We we just, like, bullshit about it. It wasn't even, like, written down on paper. so cool like, story and uh and then one day i wrote my own version which just pretty much like took the main character and then changed things and then pretty much from the film i just wrote a simplified version of my original story mm-hmm. like because like the, the version that, that i wrote with like my friends like it wasn't anything like that. Like, there was poop and flowers, but it was all like completely different. Like, there was like barely anything like that in it. So it just happened at the end. Yeah.
0: Um, that and, film is kind of also the start of your incorporation with like, uh, practical effects within your films. And I was wondering, um, uh, what got you interested in making. Making practical effects, and where did you develop your skills?
1: I've been doing practical effects like ever since I was young, like probably like 13 or so. There's like a novelty store that was like not too far away, like a mile away, that I'd ride my bike to, be able to get like liquid latex and gel and stuff like that. I just go around with that stuff all the time, make stuff, other things around the house, stuff like that. I always like building, building things and like making stuff. So that my, my best friend too at the time, like he was really into it too. So it was like something like that, that we were like the only people that we knew that even like
0: like this stuff. So that's cool yeah um at the end of manure there's the death of your character and i saw a lot of similarities between kind of the death of your character and like the toilet melting scene in street trash and i was wondering if there if that scene had any like you got any inspiration from that film or that scene was kind of an homage to that scene or if it's just kind of like they just are a coincidence that they're so similar
1: oh no definitely i i definitely I'm a huge fan of street trash, and that scene was stuck that way, like, wasn't inspired by, like, street trash. Like, Like, I wish I could have done it a little bit better, but at the time, you know, I'm happy with how it turned (laughs) out.
0: Yeah. At first I was like, okay, like this looks a lot like it, but when the, when the legs, like the feet stayed on the ground and the legs melted, I was like, okay, like this is (laughs) (laughs) definitely It was was cool. I liked it. Um, Oh, thank you. So after manure, you would go on to take, make tantrum. um, And that is actually the first film of yours that I actually ever saw. And is still one of my personal favorites. And I was wondering, um, what's the story behind making that film and what inspiration you had making
1: it? Oh, it's really hard to explain that one. Kind of just like, I didn't really have anything planned out. I knew that I wanted it to end with the with the, the fucking scene,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I just, I had to get it to that point. And so, uh a lot of it, like I would film things, and I was working with this famous, with the soundtrack, and uh, they'd send me audio, and then I'd edit it to like what video I had, and then I'd watch that, and then, yeah, pretty much just be like, oh, okay, I got the idea for the next scene, and that was pretty much the, kind of, like, the production of that way. There's a lot of things. A lot of uh cryptic messaging in there and stuff a lot of anger it's one of my more
0: uh you talked about some like cryptive imagery or messages in that what, what are some of the cryptic messages in that film
1: just like anti religion mm-hmm. anti-united states pretty much <laughs> uh I will well not, when I say that it's not like not like in ISIS or anything like that. I just think America's like um and then like just responses to things I don't know. I don't really wanna point out too much.
2: Yeah. I, I don't know.
0: Kind <laughs> of a blank too? Um there's some scenes where um, it might be May where you have someone in a sitting in like kind of like a, a rocking chair or a wheelchair with the masks on and they're like gutting themselves. And I kind of saw that kind of similar to the opening scene in Begotten. And you talked a little bit about um, the that some of the statements you wanted to say were about anti-religion. And I was wondering if there was any inspiration there with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's like how it began to like the very first stuff we shot was on the railroad rail, tracks. Me like walking up behind her,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, that that shot was like all like the gut and stuff. and it was like all like the gut and and
0: stuff. Yeah, I mean, I saw I saw
1: screenshots like, or, or whatever. Like the, the like puking up the little slug creature things so that's kind of like a, a little mad to like shivers oh yeah yeah that's
0: cool I, I i think i see a lot of like homage or or like references to other like films in your work which i think is pretty cool to like to catch to catch as a viewer yeah
1: Matthew. some people think it's like cheating but whatever <laughs>
0: i don't think so i i like it i mean i'm like i always watch it and i'm like is he is he making a reference to whatever and it it's cool it's cool to know that you're kind of i don't know it just kind of shows your love for for the genre you know so
1: oh yeah I definitely...
0: um so also in in tantrum is kind of the start of you incorporating more sexually explicit material in your work um and with those kind of scenes i was wondering um is it difficult for you to find locations uh, to shoot those scenes without getting caught?
1: <laughs> no, they're all in my garage. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: that's, that's good. <laughs> um, no, I
1: just make them into different sets and stuff. Uh, with or like the, the nudity that I did in that, I uh, pretty much just built like a cloth wall around the front of my house. Mm-hmm. Where nobody could see what I was doing. And uh filmed everything in the front But yeah, most, most of the time uh, stuff happens in the in the garage. Occasionally like I think there's like a shot in the sack mm-hmm. where we're like in, out in the woods or like we're like in the fuck out in the woods
0: around. Yeah. I've always wondered that because, cause, uh, so, like, your different lo- your different sets and different locations are, like, really broad within your films. And I was always like, man, how is he, like, pulling that off? Looks like he's outside or looks like he's in, like, an abandoned building or
1: something. but Oh, yeah. Well, I do use abandoned buildings, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if I find an abandoned building, like, I'll go into it. Yeah. And use it. And then, like, we've had times where we've been, like, granted access to abandoned buildings, like, in Nutsack, that there's, like, this whole big school that mm-hmm. we were able to shoot. That's awesome. Yeah. I didn't really... It's like that black and white footage that, like, kind of just bobs in and doesn't really make too much sense of why it's there.
2: Because
1: mm-hmm. I shot it in a cool location. What people people see? So after you
0: finished Tantrum, you would go on to make uh, part one and part two in Nutsack. And I believe I remember you telling me that you originally intended to make a part three. And I was wondering what you could tell us about the Nutsack films.
1: Oh, I originally wrote uh, Nutsack when I was like 15, 16. And uh, yeah, originally... The alien stuff I didn't add on until like, when I was like 19, so like the prequel part, and that's like even because like in the original like, like script, that stuff was just supposed to be like an advertisement on TV for like a movie trailer or what we call those Super Scots for that. But then they like find out that it's not like a trailer, but it's just something that's. Handy. Mm-hmm. But uh. But that was like kind of explained, like, why everybody was like sick and melting was like the prequel of Nutsack. And originally, I wanted to film just Nutsack by itself and not the prequel, but just with funding and ability and stuff, like, I just wasn't at a place where I could make Nutsack yet. And Lucasfors Cosmonauts was. I learned a lot
0: on that film. It's <laughs> like the first time that you're credited um, or your project dead kids is credited as doing the music. And I was wondering like, when did you start getting involved in creating your own music and, um, and that project?
1: Oh, kids kill kids.
0: Yeah. Kids kill kids.
1: That, that that's been like a, a music project that, done like since like the 90s. Originally, it was like this like, kind of like a kind of like a mix of like Nirvana's more like punk rock stuff with like, rip off of like Mattis Mouse, like early Mattis Mouse guitar playing. Yeah. Kill play that. Kids started as and I had a drum machine as a guitar and a drum machine. And then uh, I was gonna expand out, and my friend was gonna play drums, but that never, never, even, never ended up. Happening. And uh, after I did, uh, after tantrum, I uh, didn't really have anybody to do soundtracks. I wanted to do something different with my soundtracks. I didn't want to just keep doing the same thing. So uh, I just started buying synths. Like I had I synths before, like I moved back in the 90s, like I was like, and then uh, I could never really get them to do what I wanted. But I didn't understand uh, sequencers. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, so it, during uh, was Cosmonauts, I, a lot of that, I think I did a lot of that soundtrack on the Thurman and just the drum machine. And same with uh, Nutsack, a lot of that's just a Thurman. When I started making uh, the Bliss, that's I realized I needed to start using sequencers and everything, everything started like fitting together. And like the songs like actually started working Instead of just being just a bunch of sloppy trash that made me frustrated. So it's kind of evolved, but it's always kind of just been me.
0: Um, after you completed the first two Nutsacks, uh, you'd go on to make Tantrum Part 2. And I noticed that the start of Tantrum Part 2 kind of begins with a scene that was in Nutsack with a, a baby head being lit on fire. And I was wondering what the correlation between Nutsack and Tantrum was. And even in a broader, broader question is, do all your films take place in the same universe or just those, or is just Tantrum and Nutsack connected to, with each other?
1: No, all my movies take place in the same universe, except for uh, Dog Dick, which is a movie mm-hmm. inside that universe that everybody likes. And, uh, the, the flashback at Nuts at the beginning of our Tantrum 2 of uh, the doctor saying where he's like burning the head. Uh, that was like my best friend. He he died like, while we were making Tantrum 2. Not on the set or anything, but That's on rough. his own time. Yeah. So like that was kind of just like a tribute to him. Like he'll, He liked that shot a lot. So
0: that's cool. Yeah. Um, Speaking more kind of about like you filming in the different places where you've shot, Tantrum part two involves a lot of scenes of you and other actors like running around in, in your masks and like covered in blood. And there's also a scene where you have your penis bitten off in a graveyard. And I was wondering with how much shooting you do like outside and with all the, the blood and guts that you have, have you ever ran into any trouble with police filming or anything like that?
1: Oh, yeah. All the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, the cops in the area know me. like They raided my house when I was making guts or when I was making uh manure. No, I was making tantrum, but I had manure and dog dick and then. They got pretty well acquainted with me that day, and then uh, they've had like random calls about people doing weird shit in around town, and it came up, and it's just been like me with like a bunch of body parts and stuff. Um, during uh, when I was making the bliss, they like followed me around for like eight hours and couldn't they catch—they couldn't catch up with where I was at without plowing me. <laughs> All these like filming locations because I kept getting. That was just me. I there's been other uh incidents since then, and uh, I'm sure people call, but I'm pretty sure that just like we're not going. It's nothing.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. You have a reputation of just being the gore guy walking around town.
1: Yeah, well, I shoot uh, the. The small town I live in, and then I go to this other city called Tanya. And there, nobody gives a fuck about anything. Like, I could be like shooting things, like, right anywhere, and it wouldn't matter. They wouldn't care. <laughs> People are like really supportive there. It's such it's a really cool city. Probably gonna, probably gonna buy a building
0: there for one day. That's cool. Yeah. Um, So after you finished Tantrum Part 2, you'd go on to work on The Bliss, um, which is another one of my personal favorites. I think the the gore effects and stuff you do in that movie are pretty awesome. And I was wondering uh, what the inspiration was behind that film.
1: The Bliss? um, That movie I kind of... I was dealing with a lot when I was making that. And uh, it originally was... I was supposed to be making the bleak, but I just kinda got fixated on working out some issues with about well, my friend dying and stuff. I don't know, going really with me for a few years. So but that, that movie's kind of like a lot of like symbolism and stuff and that he would understand and jokes, things that he would think would, were funny like the breastfeeding the baby he'd, he'd laugh at that and the coat hanger and the pussy he'd think that was funny <laughs> so it was like kind of just well, little tribute for my friend it wasn't exactly like, 'cause because like he really liked like clown horse stuff and that was like when it came out so it's like oh, i can't do a fucking clown but, <laughs> I, I really a anymore, but i i can at least still what a dog
0: that's cool. So
1: that's more of what the Bliss is. And our first band, like when we were kids, like we heard Nirvana's first that their original name was the Bliss and then changed it to Nirvana. So yeah, obviously, names available, we're taking it. <laughs> so So that was like our first band. Well, actually our second band, our first band was called Bloodbath, and that was just terrible. <laughs>
0: Well, that's cool that you like dedicated that film to him. That's it makes the film a lot have a lot more meaning. Oh, uh, cool. Um, so one of my favorite scenes in that movie actually is where a woman has her breasts pierced with meat hooks and then she's raped and then she's vaginally disemboweled, and I really felt like that scene really showed your growth as an effects artist, and I was wondering both what your inspiration was for that scene, but also um, did you have any difficulties pulling those effects off?
1: Um, the effects were a little bit tricky, just only because it's just me and my wife shooting everything. So and sometimes things get a little clumsy and just don't work out. Right? I remember there was like blood taps like in the fake boobs, that like kept sliding out of the way of the meat hooks, so they weren't like going through them. And then, like, the blood wasn't coming out right like it was supposed to. That was, like, getting a little frustrated. Mm-hmm. But in the end, I, I think that, like, we got, like, got it good enough. Like, where people could tell what we were at least trying to show. Um, <clears throat> but, yeah, that was, like, that part. Like, the hooks through the boobs. Like, that's another, like, nod to, like... Uh, make them die slow.
0: Yeah, that's what I thought too. I was like, I was like, this has to be inspired by Cannibal Ferox. Like, right. <laughs> it's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, so after the Bliss, you would go on to make Harm, which is probably like one of the shortest films that you've made in your c- catalog, but in my personal opinion, is probably one of the most, most brutal films that you've made. Um, and its plot is really simple but the domestic violence and sexual violence in that film is pretty vicious. And I was wondering uh, where your inspiration came for that
1: one. Oh, we, uh, we were making The Bleak, and uh, things had just, like, hit a rut. Like We were just, like, trying to figure out what to do. And then uh, I think my wife came up with a lot of the this- stuff just do like a domestic violence thing. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we we thought about putting it in the bleak first, but then like, because like how the bleak was supposed to flow, even though I ended up like breaking like the rules of the film because no characters were ever supposed to repeat originally. But then you see what... Times at the end, like another, the third one pops. So, that kind of like broke the rule. With her. plus, I don't think that people really that mm-hmm. I was supposed to be two different people. I think that that kind of got confused the other way I was wearing. It. So yeah, people really were like, "Oh, that's supposed to be two different guys."
0: I think that film really. I mean. Uh, in terms of harm, I think really shows like the great team that you and May are, um, and I think you guys really pulled off something that was really dark and intimate in that film. Um, and one of the scenes that really like stuck out to me was the penis splitting scene, um, and I was wondering how how that effect was done.
1: Oh yeah, then, uh, pretty much like I I had done like severed penises and stuff like that before, so I was like. I switch it up a little bit different and so uh how we did that effect is pretty much just she took my my real penis and put the tip of the blade to like the tip Mm -hmm. and then started pushing down and then the, the camera cuts and it goes to a fake one and she pushes all the
0: way through that's cool that's that's a really brutal effect I mean, I really like creative. Like, I mean, castration and in extreme horror is like been done a million times. But I I really like that you thought of like a creative way to make to like bring something new to
1: the table with that. I got one more. <laughs> I got um, one more way of doing it, and then I think I'm out of ideas. For
0: um. So this kind of brings us to your most recent film that you've released, which is the Bleak. Um which is not only one of your more longer films, but it also has um, a very, like, layered plot. And I was wondering what you could tell us about that film for, for those who may not have seen it yet.
1: Oh, uh, The Bleak is kind of like... There's a movie, Slacker, where, like, everything, like, flows from scene to scene, where it's, like, one character interacts with somebody and it just, like, flows over. So I wanted to make, like kind of like a gore version of Slack. And mm-hmm. so like, they're, they're, the Bleak really has no story. I really tried to like, keep like my cryptic messaging to like a bare minimal. There's like one thing right at the beginning. And then after that, like, it's just something I made just the full intention of it is just to be fun to watch that's
0: it um one thing i really liked about that film is it really like showcased the different kind of like people or figures that you make in your films like all the different masks and all the different costumes and i was wondering um where do you derive inspiration for all these different creatures that you make is it just things that you dream up or are there like things that go on in your life that inspire you to make those different monsters
1: um most of them are just things I just make up things that I think would be cool. Uh, yeah. Cool.
0: Um, so now you're working on your 10th film in the very fine crap videos catalog with evaporation. And I was wondering what you could tell us about that project.
1: This one's been a rough one, <laughs> <laughs> but that's only cause, you know, uh, I originally, I've actually like rewritten the whole film like three times. I was like editing the footage, and I started like moving things around. And I was like, hey, wait, I can get a story out of this. And so like I rewrote everything again. And so like now everything that that she like, it does like follow somewhat of a story structure. Broken loose way, I guess.
0: You talked a little bit about um, with tantrum that you had this that scene, uh, with you like fucking the back of the head, um, and then you kind of built a story around that. Is that how you typically like make make your movies? Is you kind of like have a scene and then you build a story around that scene, or?
1: Yeah, yeah. Because really, all I care about is boards. So. I just want, I just shoot cool thing things that I think look like visually cool. Mm -hmm. Just to, like, pretty much lead to another gore scene.
0: And so with Evaporation, are you still, like, in the process of kind of, like, figuring out what the film and the story is going to be? Or are you guys pretty close to the end of finishing that film?
1: Oh, we're pretty much, we're pretty close to being done. Like, we have pretty much just, like, the final scene, really, the film. And then, like, I might salt and pepper a few more kills here and there. Before I release it, kind of get a little bit more gory or at some parts where it kind of seems a little boring.
0: Right on. So, in addition to evaporation, uh, you're also credited as being one of the filmmakers involved in Marcus Cook's upcoming anthology *Symbolicus*, and I was wondering what you could tell us about um, your project
1: with that. Oh, it's a 10 minute chunk of evaporation kind of like a summary of kind of like where the story starts to go. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have time to shoot anything fresh. so
0: I feel it. Well, I think it's still going to be
1: evaporation isn't going to be released for a while. So
0: when, when do you think that's going to come out?
1: Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not really in a big hurry. Yeah. Um, like, I got to finish filming it, and then, I don't know. It might be a couple of months.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Might be, like, the first of the year I release
0: it. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no need to to rush, you know?
1: Make it, yeah, make it that's perfect. What, kind of like the man said, I mean, I might shoot another short and put it on this too, because there's, like, this thing I have written, but I don't know what the but
0: but I really want to shoot it. So Uh, so talking a little bit more about Marcus Cook, you were featured in uh, his documentary with Jesse Seitz about extreme underground cinema uh, called Beyond Horror. And in that documentary, you talk a little bit about some of the legal troubles and things that you faced uh, with your films. And specifically, uh, you talked about it a little bit earlier about the police coming to your house and uh, something about them... Like accusations about manure having something in it, and I was wondering what you could tell us about that situation
1: yeah, um <coughs> oh, my kid uh went to school and uh told his teacher be confusing that seen in manure, and then uh, this teacher. Just automatically assumed that it was child porn. Mm-hmm. So she reported us for producing child porn. And uh, I just fucking Still They didn't even bother doing a Google search before it came, came over and busted my shit up. So that's pretty much how that went. Huh? And then, like, they said, man you and dog dick with me in my living room <laughs>
0: they didn't like the movies they didn't like the movies
1: no no they said they sucked
0: <laughs> <laughs> well what can you expect from them
1: yeah whatever <laughs> still owe me for the beer
0: <laughs> okay Uh, Well, in addition to controversy surrounding Manure, uh, your first film, Dog Dick, also has received uh, a considerable amount of controversies. And we talked a little bit about when they first came out and kind of the distribution drama that centered around that. But more recently, um, you've received some more controversy uh, after the film was reviewed by a YouTuber named Nick Spheres. And there was kind of like a whole campaign to try to shut down all of your websites and all of your stuff. And I was wondering uh, if you could talk a little bit about that and, and where that's at now.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, that situation. Yeah, it's pretty much the most craziest backlash I've ever seen about Dog Deck, which has been pretty nuts. Yeah, they've gotten a lot of my stuff shut down, but com is now back up and running so that's good but um yeah so pretty much what i've gathered like uh this youtuber like she was on my facebook friends list and uh, i'm pretty sure it's just something that she orchestrated just so she could manipulate her fan base so she could ask them for money that it really doesn't have anything like even if like i think that for some reason the person has something against me i don't know what it is i don't it doesn't even seem like it is me filming dead animals for that film just because of like the things that the clips that she edited in to like her review were like all ones that were just like, you motherfucker. Like, uh, she put the clip of uh, Charles Manson's voice, which is like, oh, yeah, I didn't realize that shit. What was I thinking Put that in the movie? But I fixed that in the new version. And then like, there's another clip where like somebody says like my son's name and it's just like, this person isn't even, this isn't even like a review. This is, this is just something else. So, yeah, it's been a pretty crazy experience dealing with these internet people.
0: <laughs> uh regarding the scenes that she kind of talks about in her review, specifically like the the it's interesting cuz she brings up the the scene with the cats, but she doesn't yeah, that... she doesn't ever talk about the bird scene, um at least from from what I saw. And she got upset with you like burning the worms in the tree or whatever but for someone who hasn't seen your film um who's heard about those scenes um what can you say about them because she kind of really tries to paint this picture like you're uh like <laughs> doing like stomp porn videos and anyone who's oh, really watched <laughs> anyone who's really <laughs> watched it knows that it's really not I mean it's shots of roadkill and and dead animals but um it's nowhere near as horrific as she tries to make it out to be but but since i'm talking yeah, with you yeah. i was wondering if you could kind of explain to someone listening what those scenes entail and what the truth is behind them
1: um <laughs> none of the animals but i had none of the animals except for the bird the bird did die but it died off camera it died in some old woman's apartment like off camera mm-hmm. but there's like shots of the woman like throwing the bird and people got a little bit mad over that part, but I think the funeral kind of makes some bored at So I think that's kind of like the reprieve with that scene why people don't get too bent out of shape. Because I didn't do it at all. So, But like all the other animals were like that is fuck. And like the cat scene, like we had this cat that kept breaking out of the house and it kept getting pregnant, but it was too old to get fixed or something died in surgery so we just like, not really put up with it but it like kept like having like miscarriages like birthing dead cats all the time
2: mm-hmm.
1: for a short period of time but uh at first we were like burying them then our dogs started digging them up and then it's just like ah oh, i'm gonna i'm gonna mummify these things so like the ones that you see in the film they're like half mummified and I was burning them to get their fur um, But yeah, I ended up mummifying them completely. You see them again in Tangela, which is filmed two years later and they look pretty much the, the same condition. Mm-hmm. So I ended up giving them away to people, actually. People have those cats now.
0: Regarding but the... the cat
1: you see that's giving birth mm-hmm. to the cat, that cat didn't die that was like being born in the film either, like that kid is still alive now. So there's actually like the animal stuff in that, like people try to make it out to be like more than it is when like a cooking show is more graphic in all reality. It's just rotten dead animals. I don't know. Film 10 years ago, you can't really be that upset about it. But I mean it's I have i still do anyways so
0: whatever. I really got uh some backlash cuz I don't know if you've you've seen it but I uh I'm a I did like a photography book and it's all like pictures of roadkill that I Yeah, took. I seen
1: that. I was like, "Ooh, bad idea." <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, and it was all like my whole point was that basically we live in a world where animal death is so normal that we don't even think about it. And so I just took pictures of roadkill over like an eight month period that I would just come across when I was driving to work and doing my shit. And I took a bunch of pictures of, of the animals. And when that came out, I mean the whole, and the whole point was like bringing awareness. Like most people drive by roadkill and don't even think about it. And so it was almost like people say, stop and smell the roses. It's like stop and acknowledge the, the roadkill, you know, and people, uh, I got a lot of backlash for that saying that I was, I don't know that I was
1: running them down.
0: I don't even know but I didn't all I did was I I mean the animal was dead <laughs> and I drove by and I took a picture of it and that got a lot of backlash and I feel like your film is very similar in that sense that you came across you came across similar stuff you've got your friends swinging around that deer carcass but that was Yeah that
1: was actually uh a coyote trapping cuz like we have wild coyotes where I live, but it's, like uh-huh. these like dogs that like fucking but they like put all these like snare traps to like fuck them up
2: and kill them. Mm-hmm.
1: And so we were out there taking apart the traps. So that, that's what the the deers that were like pretty much like driven into the ground with those like metal stakes. Those things on like, the coyote traps, where was, like like the deer around. That's what where we were at with that. It's just out of the woods.
0: Yeah. And I i mean, I, that's kind of the vibe that I got when watching when watching Dog Dick is that it's really just like uh, observational cinema. You're—you It was like you just happened to have a camera around a lot of the time and you recorded stuff. And I felt that way about the, the bird scene is, I mean, you're hanging out in someone's backyard and there's a I don't know who that woman was, but some drunk lady's throwing a bird around and you just decided to record it. It's not like you had any any involvement other than you were there watch, watching this happen
1: and oh yeah she would have done that if i was there or not. Uh... yeah
0: and so to me like i to to hold you accountable to that is is just silly and the thing that i really just don't understand is that that youtuber also uh reviewed has talked about cannibal holocaust talked about uh <laughs> angels melancholia like there's so many other films out there where people literally did murder animals on screen for the film and out of all the people that she gives a pass she picks you like in terms
1: of like it's just because i'm an easy target yeah like i'm a small filmmaker i'm pretty introvert most times like she was on my friend's list she knew like what my personality was. So, yeah, she had it all planned out. It's just a financial scam. It's pretty much all I can really well, I mean it's from things
0: I mean it's an
1: <laughs> well, it
0: makes you you're an easy target because like you're you are, are very obscure, you're underground, you know, and so it's pretty safe to say that the majority of the people that are watching her videos haven't seen your film and are just going to take what she says at face value.
1: And... Oh, yeah, and I'm sure, like, none of them even at ten, in time 9, ever seen it. I think a lot of them are actually, like, really young. Because I've been getting, like, some, like crazy messages from, like, just young, young kids. They seem like children.
0: Well, I mean, and I think the, the funniest thing is, as someone who identifies as being someone who's really familiar with extreme cinema, extreme horror, like controversy is pretty much the best thing that can possibly happen to this kind of cinema, you know, I didn't see Cannibal Holocaust, uh, because it looked like it was a great story. I saw it because it said it was banned in 50 countries, you know. And so when you hear oh, the, yeah. Yeah. when you hear That's all this like, controversy about a film, you're like, "Well, what what the fuck is this? I got to find it." So I, and she had like eighty thousand subs, so now eighty thousand people know about your movie. <laughs> so she just really helped promote it more than anything. I feel.
1: Oh yeah, sales were going going real nice until they crashed the store or got it taken down.
0: Um, uh. and so I guess kind of piggybacking off of all of that one of the questions I have is why do you think that some people go out of their way to ex- to like penetrate or seek the extreme underground and find films that they knowingly are sensitive to or easily triggered by
1: what was the question again
0: why why do you think that someone who like knowingly is sensitive to certain things go out of their way to go find extreme underground content that makes them upset like I think most of the people most of the things that people know about dog dick is the is the controversy around the cat scene and the and the bird scene and if I was sensitive to animal death I would avoid that film similar to like if I have a problem with rape I'm not going to go watch irreversible and so I don't and I don't understand I guess I'm I mean I don't have an answer either but I but I'm just curious why someone would go out of their way to go find content that they knowingly are gonna get upset by?
1: Yeah, that I have no idea. Like like for one it's like called dog dick, so like what do you like what what would people be like really expecting? And and it's actually not as bad as like the name. There's some grim... Grim, sad shit in it, but there's also like a lot of parts that are more meant to be humorous too. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of lighter moments in it. But why people would seek it out if they know they're gonna hate it, I have no idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, it really is just like a uncensored expose of like your community. I think, and I think right. that's really. I think it's pretty. Like it just seems like a really like, like this is America, <laughs> kind of film.
1: So. It's a good time capsule too, especially since like I have to say about ninety percent of those people were dead. Like even the guy that was like swimming the uh, the deer carcass around, he he died like a month after we shot that. Wow. Stuff. Yeah. So like it's it's a nice personal time capsule for myself as well. That film is actually like what caused my life not to be like that
0: anymore. Like, One of my other questions I have is as an extreme underground filmmaker yourself, um, do you think that there's any some any like sort of line, like a moral line that people should not cross when making their art, or do you think that people should be able to express their art any way that they want?
1: For the most part, yeah. You know, express your your art don't break any laws don't harm anybody but yeah so it's as as not hurt nothing it's
0: fine and i guess my last question for you really is for someone who's like listening to this podcast right now who may be this might be the first introduction to who you are and are interested in check, checking out your work what would you recommend as the first film that they see
1: Ooh, that's a tough one I would say Nutsack, but the soundtrack on that one isn't isn't so hot, but the gore's good and the story's good, the acting's good on that one. I really like that one a lot. Either Nutsack or the movie. A lot of people like Tantrum, though. So, one of those three, I guess.
0: Do you have any final comments or anything that you'd like to plug before we come to an end
1: i got a new website it's very fine i only have like a couple of things listed right now but i'll have more up in the next few days or so but yeah there's that i don't know there's a lot of other really cool independent filmmakers out there. just try everybody's stuff i don't know
0: right on, man. I enjoyed our conversation, and I appreciate you taking the time to talk today.
1: All right. No problem.
0: Thanks, man. Have a good one.
1: All right. You too. Bye.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club. If you're interested in checking out my other work, please subscribe to my YouTube channel, Cinema's Underbelly, where I analyze and review obscure, obscene, and controversial cinema, as well as check out my label, Putrid Productions. Until next time, this is the Uneasy Terrain Explorers Club.